Welcome to the Hey Salespeople podcast, where we focus on delivering immediately actionable best practices for sales professionals. I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan from SalesLoft. Hey, salespeople. It is my great pleasure to welcome Glenn Felsen to the show. I really appreciate you having me on. It's my pleasure. And I'm super lucky to have my co-host, Amanda Georgioff, on with me. Welcome, Mandy. Thank you so much, Jeremy and Glenn. Today, we are going to talk to Glenn about uh, an interesting topic around CRM, but we'll also float around commercial real estate. And the reason for that is because Breather is in the commercial real estate space. In fact, they are uh, one of the leading providers of space as a service, and they help with their whole network of private workspaces in a bunch of different areas. So we'll talk a little bit about that with obviously talking on the sales perspective. And I think people are super curious about where things are going to go. So we'll rely on Glenn for some prognostication for Mandy and I to get to know you a little bit better, love to hear one of your favorite sales books of all time and maybe one or two of the key takeaways from that book. So it's an oldie, but still my favorite is How to Win Friends and Influence People. The biggest takeaway is that one of, if not the most important traits uh, in a salesperson is likability. Likability is something that's almost impossible to train, but I think it's the most important quality that a salesperson has, uh, the ability to listen, the ability to, to show empathy. It's not something that you can train, but I really I really focus on that likability factor. And if it's not there, uh, I, I never make the hire. Have you ever had an instance where you thought during the interview process that somebody was a good listener and empathetic, and then you hired them and they weren't? Of course. And that's why now I have a minimum of two interviews uh, face-to-face before I hire somebody. So you can fake it for the first interview. It's tough to fake it for the second interview. Mandy's one of our enterprise sales managers. What about for you, Mandy? Have you ever hired someone in that situation? I haven't to date, but I'm super keen to understand how you test for that practically. It seems very intuitive right? Like, is the person likable? Yes or no, right? But I'm curious, how would you coach a sales manager to hire for likability? It's the toughest thing to do. And it's completely intuitive. What I always do when I'm interviewing a salesperson is I constantly think, would I buy something from this person? I think about it through the majority of the interview. And uh, even if I walk away from the first interview saying yes, I need that second interview to sit down and just listen to them and try to get to know them and just really, really keep that in the back of my mind. Would I buy something from this person? But it's very difficult to test for. As a sales manager, you make a good hire. Everything else sort of falls into place. The inverse is true too. So this is the part of my job I take super, super seriously. What other advice do you have for sales managers particularly new sales managers who might be interviewing and hiring for the first time, what other advice do you have for them? Yes. Well, besides for likability, uh, the only other trait that I look for is hard work. The key metrics that I look at to determine hard work is tenure at prior positions. I need somebody that has had at least three years at another sales job. And the reason being is you can fake it for a year. You can almost fake it and hide out for two years. But if you're not good at what you do from a sales standpoint, there is no way that you can fake it for three years. And I find a lot of candidates that have worked at 
10 companies in 10 years. And to me, you can't blame it on the company 10 times. You can't blame it on the company three times. It's okay to have a short tenure at one company or a short tenure at two companies. But if you can't put in at least three years at one company, from my standpoint, there's something wrong and I pass. What's your go-to interview question? My first question, which is just so basic, but I just want to hear their story. I don't like to focus too much on canned questions. I really just like to hear in somebody's own words what their story is. And it gives me insight into how they think and how they act and how they'll fit into the role. We asked you before we pressed record, what's the topic that you most want to talk about? And you surprised us by saying that you wanted to talk about CRM. So why CRM? So I've been in sales my entire career. I spent a lot of time as a sales rep and salespeople, generally speaking, hate CRM. I fall into that camp or I did fall into that camp until recently. I always looked at CRM as a means to an end. I tracked my business through spreadsheets and I would enter deals into CRM just to get them processed. And every salesperson I've ever worked for fell into that same bucket. And it wasn't so much a fear of Big Brother. It was the fact that they felt that they were just doing extra work to appease their boss. Throughout the process, different companies have layered different products in place as almost a requirement to use CRM. So if you want to get quotes, you have to use CRM. Then if you want to process a contract, you have to use CRM. What's changed is Breather. I became a believer in how important CRM is. And the reason being is that we do not have an unlimited supply similar to a a SaaS company. We're inventory constrained. So we have a finite number of products that change often and very greatly. So in order to be effective, we need to constantly use data points from our demand engine for surge pricing, dynamic pricing, and also when we go to the market to acquire new inventory. So I have an amazing sales director at the company that has taught me how important the data is that we get out of CRM. The challenge is that sales leadership, myself included, have not done a good enough job of teaching salespeople the value that's in it for them. They show the importance of running forecasts for the sales leader. They don't show all of the value that an AE can pull out of CRM if they use it effectively for themselves. So I think it's a failure on sales leadership, myself included. I don't believe that the AE is wrong and I don't believe that CRM is evil. Yeah, Mandy, you recently made the transition from individual contributor, high performing, I should say, individual contributor to sales leader. How has your perspective changed on CRM? When you mentioned that CRM was your passion topic for today, I definitely was caught off guard, but I love how you have phrased that. And I find myself in exactly the same situation. I was a team member, an individual contributor, and now promoted into the sales manager role, managing my former peers, right? So I was the person a year ago, who was like, this is a joke, right? Is it to your point, right? It feels duplicative. It feels just like make work. Nothing I do in CRM has ever helped me close a deal. And that speaks directly to what you said, right? Like I've never closed or accelerated an in-flight opportunity because of something I've done in CRM. But you made the perfect point, which is it's an opportunity for sales managers to better communicate what's in it for the rep. 
why they should care. What's the benefit for them? So I am very keen to understand how you do this <laughs> um, because conceptually I'm totally with you and I want to get some advice practically on how I can do a better job. It comes down to creating the right dashboards for the individual AE that are going to help them understand their business better. And typically what we do is we create one set of reports for the sales leadership that's important to them, but we don't work with the AE to show them how it can benefit them from a planning standpoint. One of the eye-opening moments for me is that I absolutely hated logging calls. I didn't understand the point of pumping out 100 calls and then going in and logging them. Sales Loft has been the dream for us, that it's allowed us to make all of our calls through the platform and have it integrate perfectly with our CRM. So now we can sit with our reps and we can show them how benchmarking actually makes a difference and how we can compare them to other reps and show that certain activities actually do generate more business. And we can create the dashboards that are custom for them to show them how it makes sense for their business. So we look at CRM on an individual AE basis. We build reporting for them based on what it is that they want to get out of the system, not what we want to get out of the system. What's an example of a killer dashboard for one of your AEs that would actually help them to see the value of CRM? Yeah. So what we like to do is uh, we import a data set from Apollo or from another form. And what we're able to do is we're able to show them, create a report which shows them uh, how many calls and how many touch points are important to be able to close a deal. So we'll look back at their prior business. We'll look back at their prior successes or failures and then forecast the data going forward so that they can understand that it took them X amount of calls to close the deal. It took X amount of email cadences for them to close the deal so that they can see going backwards what they need to do. Because I don't believe it's the same for every AE. I don't necessarily believe in activity-based monitoring. I think that each AE has their own cadence. They have their own style. But because they haven't looked at the data, they don't know what activity they need to create in order to, uh, to maximize their sales. So we look at that and we customize it for them based on their uh, own successes. And then they're able to realize that it's not five calls because that's what the AE that sits next to them has to make. It's because that's what they needed to make in order to close the deal. How do you or your frontline sales managers with their AEs, how do you create an impactful and compelling weekly one-on-one? It's a great question. And we start out by asking them what we could do to support them. And oftentimes it's an issue that they have that's unrelated to sales. So they've been trying to get something through finance for a period of time, or they're trying to get something through legal for a period of time. They're spending more time than they want to because there's a bottleneck that takes place internally in the system. And that's not a breather issue. That's every company that's out there. And oftentimes it's as simple as I need your help to do this, or I need your help to do that. And then we get into the numbers. And then what I try to do with myself and my frontline sales managers is go and solve that problem. Let them know that the problem is solved so that they realize that we're really in it with them. You guys are operating in 10 different cities, right? The major cities, New York, San Francisco, London. I think you probably have a unique perspective on, you know, what's going on out there and kind of what are things like in the commercial real estate market right now? 
So the commercial real estate market is challenged, and that's to say the least. Right now, we're in a stage where people have been working out of their homes for five months. Some of them like it, some of them don't. But I do think that people enjoy not taking that long commute into the city each day. Brokers are not doing deals or not large-scale deals, and nobody is signing long-term leases at this point. Uh, To sign a 10-year agreement at this point is something that would be a tough sell because there's just so much uncertainty in the market. Now, we benefit from that because we do offer flexible office solutions. So for a company that wants a space for a year or even for six months, we offer a solution for them. Even with that being said, why I think flex is absolutely in the future, the numbers are still down significantly across the board and across commercial real estate. That's one of those industries that has always been looked at as recession proof. People need to work in an office, but the world has changed. And the world has changed because of the technology that exists today to allow us to report this podcast from the house to being able to take a Zoom call from the house. The market will rebound. And I think that flex is the absolute future. I think people have seen that not signing a long-term lease and having that flexibility to move in between spaces based on their changes is something that's important. But we need to improve from where we are here. And the numbers are picking up, but we're nowhere near pre-COVID levels. So we're optimistic that come September, there will be a return to the office in some capacity. In any of your cities, are your salespeople showing Yeah, so we're going in every city and uh, we're actually getting deals done in just about every city. Our velocity has picked up since April, but there are certain cities that are performing really well, London being one of them. We've done more deals in London in the last two months than we've done in a while. And then there are green shoots in areas like New York and Boston. Other markets are a little bit more challenged like LA right now. Glenn, how do you as a sales leader think about you know, because you mentioned it's been five months, we've been working at home, some folks love it, some folks are maybe getting a little bit burned out. How do you think about, you know, initially culture, right? How do we build and continue to build culture virtually? How do we do that on the long term, right? Recognizing that we're kind of in this probably for, for a while. Yeah, so culture is the most important thing in any company. Without question, uh, you can have a great product, you can have a great team. If the culture's not there, people are going to leave. They're not going to be passionate about what they do. And I have never been one to enjoy working from home before COVID hit. It was something that I almost never did. But what we try to do is get together as a group on Zoom or on Hangouts as much as we possibly can without being annoying. And some of the things that we do are more fun than business. So we uh, held a pub trivia contest where there were photos, baby photos of the executive team and the team had to guess who was who. Lots of games and things like that that we try to hold on a weekly or bi-weekly basis to try to bring the group together so that it's not just all about numbers and it's not about work. We want the team to like working at Breather. We want to build a foundation where It's not just about a paycheck where people enjoy and want to see the company succeed. And I would say that we have probably one of the best cultures here I've ever seen at any company. And I think that that's because we try to do 
these extra things where we're getting the team together and just having fun and not focused on work. But it is a challenge. Besides the dashboards that we talked about earlier, if you had to go back in time, you know, to a place and you talked about the situation where right now you're sort of in a inventory constrained type of a selling motion to the effectively unlimited inventory world of SaaS, what would you have done differently with respect to CRM? Yeah, so I would have used it by setting alerts and setting reminders as opposed to just using a notebook or a spreadsheet, which is what it's designed to do. I just couldn't get past the extra work associated with it. But when I think about how many deals I talked to where somebody wasn't in a buying cycle and I had the information about when they could have and I put it into CRM and I set reminders and I continued to follow up with them. Uh, it makes me sick how much money I probably left on the table for not doing that. So, And that's the basis of CRM. I just don't think most sales reps can get past the extra work that they see that's associated with it. What are other challenges that you've run into with CRM that you've had to clear the hurdles on? So a lot of what we do with our team and the dashboards that we've built require somebody, if they want to get full value out of it, to put things in in a timely basis. So uh, what we try to do is we try to have the team carve out some time at the end of each day or the beginning of each morning to update CRM so that it doesn't become this burden. It also is when the information is fresh in their mind. So if you wait till the end of the month, you're going to miss some important details to put in there. But if you wait till the end of the day, it's not difficult to remember, uh, look at your notes and uh, have a fresh memory of the conversations that you've had. Well, Glenn, it was such a pleasure having you on. And Mandy, I had such a blast with you as a co-host. So you were definitely invited back. Glenn, if people want to learn more about Breather and about FlexSpace and or connect with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Either breather.com or directly to me on LinkedIn. I just want to say, Jeremy and Amanda, it was awesome. I really appreciate you inviting me on. I had a great time. I had a blast too. Likewise. It was so nice to speak with you this morning, Glenn. Thanks. Hey, Salespeople is a production made in partnership with Frequency Media. I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan. Paige McCauley is our producer. The podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else podcasts are found. Thanks for listening to the Hey, Salespeople podcast.